Well, good morning, everybody. All right, all right. Some of you guys are awake. All right. Hello to all of you joining us online. Welcome. So good to see everybody today. June is here. It's, we're going to have like summertime in like 10 days from now. Have you guys been enjoying the fact that it's not been 105 outside yet? It's pretty, pretty, pretty nice. Yesterday I was at a graduation party and it was like starting to rain on us. I was like, wow, I'll take it. Hey, I like how on the video that we just watched there, the lady says, um, our home is a lot of work, just plain work. Anyone out there ever feel that way? Or is it just me? All right. Well, we're in a series called Our Imperfect Family. And so if you just showed up, if you're new to First Baptist, welcome. And if you have a perfect family, I want to thank you for being here. The service is now over, so you are free to go. All right, we love you. God bless you. And for the rest of us here with imperfect families, uh, we're just getting started. So we are ready to go. Uh, My prayer is that you're finding this series to be beneficial for your uh, family and relational life and all the good stuff that is going on there and that you're growing and that you're getting some new stuff. We've got two more weeks to go, today and next week. Next week, hang in there, it's going to be good. All right, so I want you all to keep pressing forward in faith. Uh, Next week's Father's Day, already, all right? And so uh, what we want is we want all of you men to make sure you're in church next week. Don't go fishing, don't go hunting, all right? Don't stay home, come to church next week and bring your fishing buddy with you, all right? The message is gonna be good next week. It's gonna be called The Cure for Conflict. And I know that, uh, that the people that live in my house are not the only people in the church that have conflict from time to time. So it's gonna be good, so make sure you're here. Everybody say, uh-huh. All right, and to sweeten the day next week, on Father's Day to celebrate Father's Day. We're going to have a root beer float fellowship. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to spoil your lunch. Vanilla ice cream, root beer. Dads, it doesn't get any better than that. I'm telling you, right? We're going to have a great time. So make sure you're here next week, all right? Now today, we are in our sermon series, and we're talking about how we can style in wisdom, all right? How we can style in wisdom in our homes and pretty much any relationship that we have in life. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24. This has been our theme verse for this entire series. Uh, After we get through Proverbs, we're going to head to the New Testament in a few minutes. So hopefully you grabbed a bulletin. Inside your bulletin is an outline. You can follow along with me. You can scan that QR code as well. Follow along digitally. As Michaela said earlier, if you've missed any of the messages in the series, you can check us out on YouTube at FBCFO, or you can follow the podcast from our website, fbcfo.com, all right? Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3, here we go. It says, by wisdom, now I'm just going to stop right there and say that's exactly what we're going to talk about today. And the great thing about wisdom is that when it comes to wisdom from the scripture, It has nothing to do with your IQ. It has nothing to do with your education, your degree field, or whatever business you have built or you work in. It has nothing to do with those things. It says, by wisdom, a house is built. 
Now, that's not four walls. It's not a roof, all right? We're talking about relationships, your home, all right, your family, those types of things. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. And we've talked about how this word established is referring to putting pieces together like a puzzle. All right, now verse four. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures, which means there are two conclusions we can get from this passage. The first one is this, is that the vast majority of people do not have beautiful relationships going on in their home. They just don't. But God desires for all of us to have that. I talked to a guy this week, and he told me about his childhood, and he grew up in a home where alcoholism and drug usage and neglect of the kids was the daily routine. And the point is that beautiful relationships are not the cultural norm. As much as we want to think that it is, it's not. And wisdom and understanding and knowledge is the secret sauce for this sort of thing to actually become the norm in your home. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, Proverbs says. So hopefully you're sitting there thinking, yeah, Pastor Wayne, that's exactly what I want to have in my home. The second part of that is also true, is that the vast majority of people do not, hear me, do not, do not want chaos in their life. But there are some people out there that thrive in chaos. They thrive in drama and all those kinds of things, and they like to swim in that toxic waters. Now, stop looking at them, okay? Don't do that. Just know that most people want peace in their life, right? They would much rather just be for, they would prefer to be a peacemaker, right? Not a pacemaker, a peacemaker. Because we know that when relationships are good and there's peace in the home, life is good. Right, and, and even though there might be some things from time to time here and there that go a little sideways, right? but for the most part, if relationships are good, life is bearable. I know when I was growing up in my home, uh, my dad used to tell my brother and I, and this will make sense to probably some of you, boys, if mom gets upset because of something that the two of you have done, you will pay the piper. Because he knew that if Mom was yelling at him and my brother and I that dad was going to get yelled at. And he didn't want to get yelled at by mom. Because in our home, it was very much happy wife, happy life. I'm pretty sure there's some other people in the world that have the same kind of thinking going on, okay? So the principle, though, is this. If relationships are good, life is good. So the question becomes, How do I have a life of wisdom where peace and harmony are the thing going on in homes and in my relationships? So as we navigate all the relationships that you have in life, think about it. You have your spouse, your immediate family, your distant family, your friends, your coworkers, I mean, whatever the case, to navigate that requires wisdom. If you want to relate to them in a healthy way, it requires wisdom. Wisdom, and God wants to give you that wisdom. So now turn with me in your Bible to the New Testament, to the book of James. This is where we're going to camp out today now. James is toward the back of your Bible. Go to chapter 3 with me. James is the brother of Jesus. Could you imagine being the brother of Jesus? Talk about an inside track, right? 
James is the brother of Jesus, and he comes in with a really great question here. So look with me at verse 13 of chapter 3. James is talking to a group of believers, and he asks this question. He says, who is wise and understanding among you? Now, let's just stop right there. The natural response for many people who would have heard this would have said, I am me. And so James is like, great, that's awesome. Glad you think that. And he says, let's prove it. And then the verse says here, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So in other words, from a scriptural point of view, like I said, wisdom isn't about your education, your IQ, or how big of a business you've built. Wisdom comes from God. And it's revealed to us through the relationships that we have with people. And that's how you can actually see if you have wisdom going on in your own life. Because it takes wisdom to navigate all the different relationships and personalities of the people that you can come in contact with. And so James is saying here when there's chaos, when there's disorder and things like that going on in your relationships, that that is how you can tell if you're living with wisdom. So the good news is, if your case is a situation where you have chaos going on in your relationships, you can leave here today and take a step in the right direction. You can have a step toward having God's wisdom in your life, because I know that's what you want. Remember, wisdom's not about a class or something that you take. It's something that you ask God for. So James says, you could see in your outline here, that wisdom is a lifestyle. Wisdom's a lifestyle, and it's revealed to us through character. This is kind of the tip-off to you and to other people if wisdom is presence, right? James says here, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. In other words, character is present. And we get this. We understand this. This makes sense. A person who makes a series of good choices because they have good character going on, they will almost always have good relationships, a good life. The flip side of it is also true. That when there's a lack of wisdom going on, there will be a presence of all kinds of problems. There, there's going to be poor choices, and there's going to be chaos and disorder, and that communicates a message to people as well. And the good news, if that's you, you can change that reality today. You don't have to keep going in the same direction that you've been going. You can choose God's wisdom. So let's go after it. Look with me at verse 14. Scripture says, but if you harbor bitter Envy and selfish ambition. Yucky, right? As my son would say. Yucky. All three of those. Bitter, envy, and selfish ambition. If you harbor those, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Again, all of us have some dysfunction going on. We've been talking about that over the last several weeks, right? Let's own it. Let's not deny the truth. Because remember, for some people, what we might think or say is dysfunction might just be normal everyday life to them, right? You might throw plates and cups and slam doors at your house, but that's not the case for everybody. In fact, for most people, it's not. 
So just recognize the truth that whatever dysfunction that you've got going on in your life and in your home, recognize it, don't deny it, because that's where the healing begins. Now look at verse 15. James says, such wisdom, and he's referring to worldly wisdom here. And biblically, worldly wisdom means foolishness. Such wisdom, he says, does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Now think about all the crazy and insane thinking and values that you see going on in the world right now. Things that are clearly wrong are being called right. It's happening, congregation, and it's insane. And God says that it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It's in the word. So let that sink in for a second. Now look at verse 16. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder. Now I want you to circle that word. Circle disorder. And he says you find every evil practice. And where's it going to be revealed? It's going to be revealed in relationships. So as you're going through life and you have lots of different relationships and friendships and family and all these things, as you interact with people, you are actually planting seeds in those relationships. And if you know your Bible, you know the concept of whatever you sow, you will reap. If you sow good stuff in relationships, you're going to reap good stuff. If you sow bad stuff in relationships, that's exactly what you will reap. And so the biblical fool, according to James, this person is lock, stock, and barrel connected with the world's wisdom. He goes through life with bad stuff going on in the background of his life. Anger, envy, selfishness, jealousy, all those kinds of things. And these issues will manifest itself in relationships, especially with people you live with. And so James uses this word disorder here in this verse. And in the NIV, you can see in your outline that disorder means confusion. And it comes from instability. So when you have confusion in your relational environments, just understand that that's where it's coming from. It's the worldly mindset. And you can see instabilities play out in relationships all over the place. You don't have to travel far to see that. So the question becomes, for each one of us then, how do we begin to implement God's wisdom into our daily life, into the relationships that we have, and more importantly, into the relationships in our living space, our homes? How do we actually do that? Well, God's got some help for us today. You can see in your outline how to, re- how to relate wisely to others. Now, let's look at verse 17. God gives us a bunch of words here, and we're going to go through each of them. Verse 17 says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven, so there you know it's the good stuff. The wisdom that comes from heaven, because earthly wisdom is from Satan, it's demonic, and none of us want that. Heavenly wisdom is, first of all, pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. 
The very first word that you see there, pure. Pure means uncorrupted and without fault. So number one in your outline, if I'm wise, I won't compromise integrity. And the Greek word for pure is katharos, okay? And it's an English word, integrity. It means the same thing. And so if you ask this question, why would James, under the inspiration of God as he's writing this, why would he start with integrity? Why would this be numero uno? Why start there? Wisdom has nothing to do with IQ, education, or business smarts. It has everything to do with heart and character, congregation. Because if you don't have integrity, if you don't have truth in your relationships, you don't have much of a relationship at all. That's the facts. You with me on that? Integrity. This is the the foundational component to any healthy relationship, period. Don't sacrifice integrity, my friend. You actually need this one. There has to be a level of trust to have any relationship whatsoever. And if not, your relationship isn't much a relationship and you're pretty much dead in the water. Especially, this is true in marriage, distrust will jack a marriage up so fast. It's happened to many people. I'm confident that you know one or two. And if you have some distrust going on in your marriage, you and your spouse have to get some help ASAP. You need to get things solved very quickly. Otherwise, things will go south, and that is not a place you want to be. And God doesn't want you there either. So I'll say it again. Integrity is the foundational component for any relationship to last and continue to move forward. And if you talk to anybody who's been married longer than I am old, especially, you will know that integrity and truth is a necessary component. Amen? Okay, number two in your outline. If I'm wise, I won't provoke your anger. James chapter 7, chapter, oh, this thing's coming apart. I think I'm okay. Y'all still hear me? Okay. James says in verse 17, peace loving, peace loving. All right. What do fools like to do? Fight. Peace is not on their radar, right? And the internet is filled with fools who like to fight, right? You read stuff, you see people's comments, and, and, and by the way, when I see these things, my head just spins, <laughs> because fools love to argue and fight. You might even know some people who do this sort of thing. They just thrive on conflict and chaos. Listen, wise people know better than this. They won't provoke Anger, right? They, they don't want to intentionally stir up the hornet's nest. Who thinks it's a good idea to provoke a bear? Mm-mm, not me, right? Because wise people know that things like this are foolish to do. Wise people desire peace. And this is exactly what God says. In your outline, Proverbs 20, verse 3, from the New Century Version, it says this, Foolish people are always fighting but avoiding quarrels will bring you honor. 
I love that. That comes right out of God's word. I heard a pastor say once that any fool could start an argument, but a wise person knows when to stay out of it. Isn't that true, congregation? If you want to be wise, don't provoke somebody's anger. Pursue peace. Number three in your outline. If I'm wise, I'm not going to minimize your feelings. James, he says, the wisdom that comes from heaven is considerate. That's what he says. And that means to be mindful of others and especially their feelings. Right? And if there's a lesson that needs to be learned in today's culture, I believe this is one of them especially in relationships, because hearing the other person, it doesn't mean that you actually have to agree with them. A lot of people misunderstand that. You can still validate the other person and their feelings and their emotions and have a different position on the topic. You don't have to agree with them. And a wise person knows this. They're considerate of the other person's feelings. Now, I will tell you, There's been a time in my life, congregation, where I have been chief of sinners on this issue here, right? And the older I've gotten, I've gotten much, much better at being more considerate of the other person. So I just want to encourage you, if this is a struggle area for you like it is for me, give give the other person room to feel things and have opinions. Try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Seek to understand before trying to be understood, Right? Just try to see what they're feeling, why they're feeling that way. Simplest thing I can say to you would be this. Just be okay knowing that there is plenty of room under heaven for differences of feelings, ideas, and thoughts. The Dodger fans and the Giants fans can be under the same roof at the same time. And if you are a Giants fan, you are entitled to be wrong. Okay? But here's the deal. Relationally, though, love your family. Love your family, the only ones you got. God made them different than you. Try to understand where they're at. Just say, it's okay, and let it be. Now, remember last week, remember I said, husbands, when you come in, offer to help. How you doing with that this week? Did you do okay? All right, if you see your wife struggling, offer to help. Try to understand where she's at. Don't minimize how she feels. All right, now only those with the perfect families got that down, but for those with us who are imperfect, We're working on that. Try to be considerate of everybody, all right? By the way, that's God's heartbeat. God is very considerate of people. Number four, if I'm wise, I won't criticize suggestions. This one is connected to number three. James says that uh, the wisdom that comes from heaven is full of mercy and good fruit, Congregation, have you remembered that God is merciful with you? He's merciful with me. And he wants us to receive that mercy from him and give it out horizontally with the relationships that we have with people. Right? So he wants us to be merciful with the family members and the people that we live with, with our friends, with our coworkers, all of that sort of thing. Because... The foolish way of thinking is that here's the key to an awesome relationship. Totally criticize and challenge the other person's decisions and suggestions. It's awesome. It works every time. Right? Just do that. I promise you'll be successful. Said no one ever. Right? Don't criticize. 
right? God's heartbeat, be full of mercy, be full of good fruit. Number five on your outline. If I'm wise, I won't keep score. Okay, so how many scorekeepers we got out there? Now don't answer and stop looking at them, all right? According to scripture, keeping score is actually a foolish thing to do. We all know couples who keep score. It's very common in our society and it's the world's way of doing things. It is not God's way. Uh, maybe you've heard the old joke, the one where the husband said to his friend that his wife went historical on him the other day. And his friend said, don't you mean hysterical? And he said, no, man, I mean historical. And the friend says, well, what does that mean? And he said, my wife started telling me everything that I've ever done wrong. Now, I mean, yeah, we've all heard that, things like that, but, but isn't it interesting that we can forget where we park our car and we have to download an app onto our phone to help us remember where we park, but somehow we can recall what happened in a conversation from like 14 years ago. We remember the whole conversation. We remember the look on the other person's face and we even remember what they were wearing, right? Isn't that funny how that works? Because the reality is when we do this, It doesn't make our relationships any better, friends. It just creates division in the relationship. So if you're struggling with this, I want you to go back to week number two and listen to the sermon on boundaries, all right? Because relationships need boundaries. Relationships need both grace and truth. And boundaries are the solution so you don't have to keep score. James chapter 1, verse 17 says that the wisdom that comes from heaven is impartial and sincere. Congregation, my friends, brothers and sisters in the Lord, your sins are forgiven, past, present, future. So God calls you to forgive your spouse and your friends. Let stuff go. Now, there are some things out there that are super serious and need to be dealt with legally and all those things, and we understand that. But for the mundane daily things like dishes not being put away and, you know, trash not being taken out and all the other irritations that happen in daily life, the small things, hear me, let it go. Do I need to sing a song? Do I need to sing? Okay, I was just asking. I don't need to sing that song, do I? Okay. All right, God says to be impartial, be sincere. That's what he does for us. That's what he he does in his word. And by the way, he gives us everything that we need. He doesn't give us what we deserve. Let's be that way in our homes. Let's not give our family members what they deserve. Let's give them what they need. Number six in your outline. If I'm wise, I won't disguise my own weakness. This is one where a lot of folks struggle. Because somehow we think that if we're open about the struggles in our life and the things that we, that we have difficulty with, and if we share them, that people will actually flee us. 
That's not actually true. Now, that doesn't mean that you disclose every skeleton that you have in your closet, but, but when you're honest about some of the struggles in your life with people who care about you, they will actually gravitate to you. Truth is, <laughs> we know this, right? The people who are in your life, they already know what your weaknesses are. They already know you're not hiding anything from them. Church, a little bit of my life. Here I am, I'm up here, pastor of the church. I love Jesus, I love God's word. Yet sometimes, confession time, I struggle to have my daily devotionals. My problem is that I'm a type A personality. I get up in the morning, take my shower, get dressed, and I'm out the door, gas pedal floored, fifth gear. There's only one gear with Wayne, and it's high gear. I go all day long. Some of you work with me. You understand what, I'm, what, I, what I do. And, and so I'm highly impatient at times. I feel like I'm always racing the clock. I'm super competitive. I hate to lose. I easily get irritated. And especially with the folks that I count on to get stuff done and they don't pull through. Yeah, worst of all, I'm constantly feeling the need to prove myself. Yep, that's me. I'm a work in progress. So in the midst of my mess, there are some days that go by. I'm working for God. I'm in the office. I'm putting messages together. I'm administrating the church. and I'm doing all my work. And then I get home and I pull in the driveway and it's like, man, I didn't even find time to pray today. So hi, my name's Wayne. I'm an imperfect pastor. It's nice to meet you. I am your friend. Now here's what I know. Part of growing in wisdom is being willing to not mask your weaknesses, especially to the very people who care about you the most, your spouse, your family, and your best friends. They already know. We're all fellow strugglers. We're sinners saved by grace. So let's overcome all the hypocrisy and let's recognize and admit that all of us in this room, all of you watching online, we are all broken people, okay? And God uses broken people and broken things to accomplish his purposes and he wants to use you and you. And it's not in your notes, but James chapter three, verse 18, the very next verse says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. In other words, peacemakers create healthy relationships. And that's what we all want. That's what we all want. We want to move away from dysfunction and craziness and pursue health. Peacemakers do this by navigating relationships with precision and skill. They do it with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge that the writer of Proverbs 24 is talking about. So real quick as we close today. If you're wanting to gain wisdom and understanding in your life and in your relationships, how do you actually do that in your, out, in your outline? Practical steps to receive wisdom. James 1 verse 5 says this. If any of you lacks wisdom... And basically, if your relationships are in any kind of chaos, what do you do? Scripture says, you should ask God, 
who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So I'm gonna give you two quick steps today according to scripture on how to do this. Letter A in your outline is that I must ask God daily. Right here, he says, it will be given to you if you ask. God wants to give you wisdom, congregation. He does. And why does he want to do that? Because he cares for you and he wants all of your relationships to be great. So ask him for wisdom. And by the way, we need to do this daily. Not just one time a year. Not just on the 15th of the month. Right? Wisdom is something we need to ask God for regularly. And then we need to pause long enough to listen and get connected with God and hear the very wisdom that he's trying to give us. I heard a pastor say one time that believers should be asking God for wisdom 20, 30, 40, 50 times a day. Here's the principle on that. The more we ask God for wisdom, the more wisdom that we will receive from him. And then the more in alignment our spirit gets with God. Is that what you want? I think it is. That's what you have to do. Ask God daily for wisdom. Letter B, I must know Jesus personally. Because remember, wisdom isn't IQ. It's not education. It's not from a classroom. It's from Jesus Congregation, it's from Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you're cut off. You're not connected to him. And if you're not connected to him, there is no possible way for you to receive the wisdom he wants to give you. Not gonna happen. Don't lie to yourself. It is not gonna happen. And this is precisely the reason The reason why, okay, unbelievers out there in the world think the way that they think, they do the things that they do, they say the things that they say, and have ungodly values. They don't know Christ, okay? They're not connected to him. So don't be surprised when you hear on the news all of the insanity that you're hearing. It makes total sense. Wisdom is a gift from God that he gives to those who are connected to him. It's a biblical idea, and it's right here, James chapter 3. So now look over with me at Colossians chapter 2. It's in your notes. Verse 2, it'll be on the screen here as well. He says, my goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Now here it is, verse three. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Congregation, wisdom is in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? Now, remember what Proverbs 24 says. By wisdom, a house is built. Through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. 
Jesus is the one that you tap into for wisdom. It's the mind, the heart, the values, the teachings of Christ. You must know him. And once you know him, you implement his wisdom into your life. And then as you go through life, you're asking God for more wisdom. And he gives it to you to help you navigate all of the personalities of the people that you come in contact with. Especially people like me. Right? Because sometimes I can be a type A. Right? And I don't mean to offend you if that's ever me. Here's the deal. You need to know Christ so that your home and so that your relationships will be better. They will be healthier. They will be less dysfunctional. And they will look more like the Son of God. Congregation, God wants to grant you wisdom today. He does. Can I just encourage you? Go after it. Go after it. But you must know Jesus personally. He must be your Lord and Savior. The book of John says, Abide in me, and I will abide in you. But apart from me, you can do nothing. In my generation, we call that the middle of the donut. Nothing. You must be connected to the Lord Jesus. So if you're not connected to the Lord Jesus, might I encourage you today, get to know the Lord Jesus. Get to know him. Get to know him. I'm gonna ask you to stand and pray with me today. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, it is our heart's desire to know you, to be connected to you. Lord, we want to seek your wisdom. So, Lord Jesus, as we're here today, we come to you with humility, with open hearts, with open minds, saying, God, would you get us and give it to us? Give us the wisdom, Lord, that comes from you. Some of us, God, we're here with broken families. God, we need you. We need you now. Lord, that is our heart. We're asking you, God, that you would come into our, our homes. Would you do an amazing work by helping us get the healing going? God, give us your wisdom. We pray in Jesus' name. And congregation, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus personally, Maybe you were invited today, this is your first time here with us, and you want to have the wisdom of God coming into your home. And you're realizing that that is not going to happen if you don't know Jesus is Lord. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you're sensing God speak in your heart, if you're sensing faith today, I just want to encourage you to submit your will to the Lord. Recognize that Jesus is your only pathway forward. He came to this world. He died on a cross lived a perfect life, rose again from the grave all for you because of your sin and my sin. And the word of God says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. That's what the word says. 
And so if you're here today and you're like, well, I want to know Jesus, just repeat after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you came, that you died, and that you rose again from the grave. I confess you now as Lord and Savior. Help me to live for you from this day forward. It's in your precious name that I pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Congregation, let's worship the Lord today. Let's worship in spirit. Let's worship in truth. Let's go before the Lord and ask him to fill our cups today. Pat.